0: The Red Sox, 93.7, 7 WEI FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app.
3: Just take us through what's what sort of the message here after the game. Obviously, I would assume, you know, offensively, probably not as productive overall yep. as you would want, but how would you break it down, Bailey?
4: Yeah, I mean, like every game, there's goods and bads. Um, So the good part about it, we're in preseason still. We can come tomorrow, we can watch film. um, We can learn from the bad and improve on the good stuff. So, um, you know, it's not always as bad as you think and it's not always as good as you think when you go back and watch the film. So that's the good part about it. We get to go back tomorrow and get back to work. And now a Boston original
0: on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arkan on WEEI
1: good afternoon welcome in hello it's boston sports original weei i'm ark nice to have you with us here today as we take you into the run-up to red sox baseball i do have a little bit on the red sox i want to get to in just a bit as they've won three in a row now i will have the red sox pregame show for you mass mutual red sox pregame show uh starting at three uh, in the meantime we got a lot of patriot stuff to get to here it's myself it's uh former intern brian behind the glass now just employee brian hello brian how you doing how's it going Arkand? so proud to see you back there you know you you're sprouted up into a producer so quickly um it's nice to see and i have uh some things i'd like to hear from you as well as a lot of people don't know this but brian behind the scenes contributes a lot to the afternoon show this is true he's uh he's always in there he's always in our slack channels he's always giving us good information finding tweets and stories that maybe we didn't see and uh yeah you have uh, it's it's very natural to sort of have you here i feel like you're always part of our conversation anyway so uh this is if you don't know this is the show that I fantasized the afternoon show to be. It's Just me, <laughs> no Jones, no Mega, just me, and uh, it's a lot me. more peaceful. Exactly, <laughs> to uh, to some. Although we got a lot of uh, kumbaya moments, just me and Mega this past week, and uh, people on the t- Twitch line and on the uh, uh, text line both seem to notice that uh, when for the first time ever in the absence of Jones or Mega, whenever one of them leaves and takes time off, a major news story breaks, like a major story. Nothing really happened this week. There was a game, obviously. I mean, it's not like nothing happened, but there wasn't Marcus Smart didn't get traded or Jack Jones didn't bring a gun to the airport. You know what I mean? It wasn't like some huge, big story that uh, was going to dominate the headlines and dominate the show for a couple of days. And when you're the lone person who still works, you know, in the afternoons and the weekends, which is me, by the way, although I am taking some time off this uh, upcoming week. But when you're, uh, you know, holding down the fort, you tend to notice these things. You notice these patterns. You notice these trends. I think it may have broken. However... We still have two more days until Jones gets back. We have today and tomorrow. So there's still a chance some big news could break. We'll see. Um, I don't know what that could possibly be at this point. <laughs> I think everything's pretty well set with the Patriots. That's what it sort of seems like to me. I guess Cunningham could uh, become the backup or something. You know, like I don't. It's, it, that's not a big story. I don't know if that's big enough. But uh, I can tell you, I do have some leftover thoughts from that preseason week one game. Uh, we talked a lot about it yesterday, Mego and I. And uh, I was going over some things that I felt like we didn't really get to that much. And uh, Mega was very excited about the pass rush. He was very excited about the front. Seven. I was very concerned about the offensive line and the offense in general, and we'll sort of revisit both of those thoughts because I think you can have both of those thoughts at the same time and not be either overreacting to the defense or overreacting to the uh, offense. It's very easy to overreact in the preseason. I think I'm guilty of it. I do it sometimes. But I also think that if you completely ignore stuff like the offensive line looking how it did, because well, starters weren't out there, and you know uh, McDermott was the left tackle, not the right tackle, or whatever, then I think you're missing a little bit of it. I think you're missing the forest for the trees a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to say the starters are going to be better. I don't know that the starting off- uh, offensive line on this team is anything to really write home about, first of all. And second of all, you have guys that are going to need to be uh, not interchangeable, but in the rotation this year. And none of them look like they were ready to play. Like that was, that was a major problem. And I think that was as problematic as it was, uh, uh, good and positive that guys like Keon White and Anthony Jennings, who I don't think we mentioned his name once yesterday, he was excellent in that first quarter. What a great quarter for him. Um, I remember, and I think uh, Zoe or Bob, one of the guys on the uh, broadcast on CBS, made note of this, but he's number 33, and he's like a D-lineman linebacker pass rusher, so... You forget that he's not like a blitzing safety. That's annoying, but uh, it, he was good. He was in the backfield a lot, and uh, he was making plays. He was disruptive, and I'm glad to see that because they spent a relatively high pick on him a few years back, and I haven't seen the hair nor hide of him. Even right now, Infernee Jennings could walk into the studio and sit down and co-host with me, and I wouldn't know who he was. That was the first time I've really ever noticed him. So he was good. Um, and Bailey happy. for all the talk of, well, Bailey happy. better watch his back because here comes Malik Cunningham. I got to say that Zappy did show me some things that I kind of liked in that game. Nothing that was overwhelming, nothing that's going to make him the you know clear-cut favorite over Mac Jones or something that's going to make him the star. You know nothing, nothing along those lines, but just little things that I like, little things that I feel like aren't going to show up anywhere, but in some way I think sort of point to him evolving and becoming a better and smarter quarterback. Not that he's a dumb quarterback, but he was doing different things. He was throwing a little sidearm. He got asked about that after the game. I don't want him throwing sidearm out there all the time, but he's trying to evolve. He's trying to uh, compensate for the fact that he's this little guy. And, you know, he has to throw over guys or throw around them or do whatever he has to do. There was a play on the drive where uh, it was the drive with the Taekwon Thornton completion, which was his best drive of the game uh, by far. I would say he had the Thornton completion. Then he had that little dump off to Trey Nixon, which uh, picked up a first down and then the drive sort of stalled out. There was a penalty. But I think on second down before the penalty, I think this is when this play was, uh, he drops back to pass. The pocket collapses. He wanted to go deep. I think they were looking end zone, and they should have been at that point. You know, get on the scoreboard. You just had a completion. Let's go get another one. And uh, the Texans had it covered. Texans had it covered in a cover two or something. I don't know exactly what the defense was, but it was covered. They showed a replay of it. Nowhere he could go. He takes a good long look downfield. He pats the ball. And then he spins out of the uh, out of the pocket and spins away from the pressure. Takes three steps over towards a uh, defensive end who's engaged with one of the o linemen, and he just sort of flutters it out of bounds. And I, that play wasn't anything, right? Like it, it wasn't really anything. It's not going to show up as anything except an incompletion on the uh, in the book. But I looked at that and I thought, huh, interesting. You would think a guy who's been trying to make his, you know, plant his flag here with this offense and show everybody that he deserves to be just, just as good as Mac Jones. He can play, you know, any anything that a typical backup quarterback would believe about himself, especially in a situation like this one where the starter isn't exactly Patrick Mahomes. You know, so if you're if you're that guy, I would imagine you see that you see something downfield. Maybe it's covered. You want to you want to flex it out anyway. You want to put that ball up there. You want to see if maybe your guy can make a play and maybe you can get something on your highlight reel. And he didn't. He didn't. He said, no, it's covered. I'm just going to take the easy play. He showed restraint. He showed football IQ. And uh, he just tossed it away. Again, not anything to write home about. Obviously, the completion of Thornton was better, but it was just one of those things. It was a nice little evasive maneuver to get away from the uh, to get away from the the blitzes, and it was a good decision, I thought, to throw it away. So that was just a little uh, tiny play that I sort of watched and uh, saw again today, and thought, you know, all right. Zappy he may not have impressed anybody with uh, with with big you know arm strength or throwing on the run or you know guiding the team down on in a, in a scoring drive or anything the only points that he uh, that he got was the field goal after the interception and that was it and then uh, Cunningham got the touchdown late way later in the game so zappy it wasn't a good night for Zappy It wasn't a good night for the offense there wasn't really much to celebrate so this is what we do we nitpick you know I'm finding I'm finding things to look at and say all right I guess that was something and it was. But really, I think you look at that offense, you look at what that what that offense did in the way that it sort of operated and how it all looked. I have a new theory, Brian. Tell me if this this makes sense to you. Last year, Bailey's Let me ask you this. I'm going to lead you down the road. Last year, Walk who, me do you, through it. who do you think ran Matt Patricia's offense better last year? Mac Jones or Bailey's Zappi? Oh, Zappi. Exactly. Zappi ran it a little bit better, right? And maybe he just ran it better because it was simple and it was, you know, don't ask any questions, just go out there, do exactly what we say, here's where they're going, five yards and crisscross, whatever. Uh, it was nothing to it, and Zappy was just able to pick it up. And Mac Jones didn't like it because it was too simple or whatever. But it seemed like at points in the season, Zappy just ran the offense a little bit better. It's not like he was much better, but he was better. Now there's like a real offensive coordinator here. Now Bill O'Brien's here. And he knows how to run an offense. He knows how to put an offense together. He worked on the Alabama offense. He was there with Watson. He was there with Tom Brady. All right? Guy's got got a resume. Uh, And maybe Bailey Zappi's a little like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I was really, this Matt Patricia thing was maybe a little more my speed. Am I crazy, or is that a possibility? Well, think about it also,
3: right? Like, Mac Jones played at Alabama, where I know him and Bill O'Brien didn't cross paths, but that's a more similar NFL kind of offense to where Bailey Zappi probably. What offense did he run? you know, at college. Uh, I'm willing to bet it probably wasn't as complex as what Mac Jones ran at Alabama and what Mac Jones is used to and what Bill O'Brien is trying to incorporate here. So I'm sure the dumbed-down Matt Patricia offense was more familiar to Bailey Zappi because it was closer to what he played with, played, you know, in at college as opposed to Mac Jones, what he played with in college in his first year with Josh McDaniels.
1: You know how we all sort of joked about, well, Josh McDaniels left, and and uh, Mac really wanted to take take me with you. You know, <laughs> like after they after that Raiders game last year, they hugged on the field, and Mac was like holding onto his leg <laughs> like a three year old. You know, <laughs> McDaniels trying to walk away, and he's holding, he's on like to dragging the leg. Mac Jones as he's attached to him. What if uh, what if Patricia and Bailey Zappi had that same kind of thing going on? What if Bailey Zappi like misses Matt Patricia? That could what think about it. it's like Bizarro World. <laughs> you know, like what if that's well, what I'm, if that's why I'm sure Patricia
3: a probably so far. put in good words to to Bailey Zappi to, to Bill Belichick. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, he's running the offense I want to run. He's doing, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I'm sure even Bill, you know, without Patricia saying that, it's like, yeah, he sees Mac Jones MFing his best friend and coordinator on the sidelines and everything, and Zappi didn't do any of that.
1: No, no, he didn't. Um, I will say this. He had that on the very first possession after the interception. Uh, he handed it off to Pierre Strong, got stuffed at the line, and then he had this uh, little dump off to Strong in the flat. It was a little ways up from the flat. And before the pass, he had this sort of double handoff play-action thing, and he ran it fine. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like the If it's a little more complex on the offense, I think Bailey Zappi going to be capable of you know turning the right way and making the right reads and doing all that stuff. It just seems like maybe it's not coming as natural to him and as easy to him as the Matt Patricia offense did. And if you need any more uh, evidence of that, go back and look at the first preseason game last year. Bailey Zappi had a pretty good game. (laughs) He had like 200 and something yards. He had a touchdown. He had a pick. It wasn't great, but he was engaged in the offense. He was making throws downfield like the offense was sort of operating in the way that it wasn't last night or two nights ago uh, in that game and that in that preseason game. And it's like. Maybe that's more suited for him, and maybe this uh, this new offense isn't necessarily a Bailey Zappi offense. Now that being said, Zappi could come out in the preseason two and three and be great. I have no idea, but I will say Malik Cunningham definitely turned some heads. Uh, he turned some heads with that uh, with that performance late in the game against the future uh, car salesman of uh, North Houston. But still, I mean, it was it was something, and it was exciting. It was an exciting sort of thing to watch. Um, Bailey Zappi was asked about the quarterback room and about uh, Malik Cunningham and sort of how that's all going. Here's what Zappy had to say. Hey, take us inside the quarterback room.
0: I know you guys are a team and everybody's competing for a spot, but uh, when Malik came in, you guys you
1: did well and you guys were happy for him. Take us inside that room.
4: I mean, we want what's best for the team. Um, we want to win no matter who's out there. Um, Malik came in and did a phenomenal job, led, you know, did a really good drive, had a really good drive, scored the only touchdown of the game. Um, did really good in both run game and the pass game, and it was really nice to see him do that, um, especially his first game in the NFL, to be able to go out there and kind of put the jitters aside and play like he did was really good to see. And, um, you know, I think, you know, like everybody, I'm sure he had, he had those little nerves, little jitters in the first play or so, but, you know, as the drive went on, you could tell he got comfortable with it. So to be able to see him score a touchdown and how excited he got was, you know, was really good.
1: So how about that? Bailey Zappi beaming with pride over uh, Malik Cunningham and really sort of pumping the kid up and talking about how great it was to see him out there and all the stuff he was doing. Little bit of a little bit different from the way Mac Jones answers those similar types of questions. We'll uh, explore that. We'll talk about that as well. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. We'll ask the question, can you even judge Bailey Zappi at all? Can you judge that game at all with that offensive line? Tommy Curran basically told me, no, you can't, which I disagree with. Also, if this is the offensive line going forward, should Mac Jones even play at all? Should he play at all in the preseason? If this is what it looks like trying to protect them, that's a question worth asking as well. We'll do all that right after Brian gets you caught up on what's trending.
5: worker of yours
0: Back to Christian
1: Arcan on W E E I. You mentioned some of the pressure that, that Bailey dealt with. Is it difficult to evaluate his night tonight because of the
4: situation with the pressures and having guys in his face? Yeah, well, I mean we are you know, dealing with some injuries on the offensive line, but you know, the guys that were in there, I mean they got some experience, but yeah, that wasn't it was tough for the backs and stuff for the quarterbacks. So, yeah, we didn't have, a lot of, didn't have a lot of space on the offense, you know. For the most part, time.
1: Bill Belichick. After the game, he wasn't the only one uh, singing that tune. By the way, it's Christian Arkin here with you on Boston Sports Original WEEI. We've got Red Sox baseball coming your way in about ninety uh, minutes. A Red Sox pregame, I should say. Actual game starts at four. Um, I didn't love that excuse, uh, and Bill actually had a bit of a follow-up to that t- uh, yesterday. In his Friday press conference, which we'll play for you in just a little bit. But it wasn't just him. Uh, Tommy Curran, we talked with him. He, he sort of was uh, saying that same thing. Very difficult to judge the offense. Very difficult to judge Bailey Zappi or the run game or, you know, Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong or J.J. Taylor or anybody who was really out there trying to, you know, get stuff done on offense when the offensive line was just so uh, uh, broken down. And to that I say, hmm, Okay. It was you're right that it was a banged up offensive line. Like, that's true. Uh no one's gonna no one's gonna debate that. None of the starters were playing. But you had some of those draft picks, you know, there's some young play draft picks, the guys that you drafted, not in the second day, but you know, third day guys, uh fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. Um you had uh, McDermott out there who started games for you last season. It's not like he's some total stranger. And I just sort of feel like you can you can lean on that and say that that was the reason. But I also think for a team that has a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach and all this sort of ballyhooed, I thought, uh, new way of doing things coming, coming around here with this offense, I thought you were going to see something improve. I thought you were going to see something different. And in some ways, you did see something different. We only have one game to go off of, okay? So I know that this is (laughs) is all stuff that's probably going to be rendered moot very soon. But there's a pretty big difference between Bailey Zappi, how he looked uh, two nights ago, and how he looked in preseason week one of 2022. And I gave these numbers on Friday, but I'll give them to you again. Uh, 2022 against the Giants, Bailey Zappi was 19 of 32. Mac didn't play in this game, by the way. Starters didn't play. 19 of 32, 205 yards with a touchdown and an interception. Not world-beating numbers by any means, but something. Something. And you didn't have all the starters on the offensive line last year either. 2023, two nights ago, 12 of 14, 79 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. As a team, the Patriots on Thursday had 10 drives, 180 yards offensively, 86 passing, 78 rushing for 3.7 yards per play. In 2022, 10 drives, 316 yards, 256 passing, 52 rushing, 5.5 yards per play, which, again, is not the 07 Patriots, okay, or anything even really all that impressive for a preseason game or any other game, but it was an offense. It was something. That thing the other night was borderline unwatchable at, at points, just an offense completely stuck in the mud. And it all was kind of the genesis of it was all the offensive line. That's true. I don't think Zappy could have done much else. I think he was doing what he could out there. Cunningham, Cunningham came in. He had backups out there, too. So it's not like Cunningham had anything special, but Cunningham could run a little faster. You know, Cunningham's a little bit better of an athlete than Bailey Zappi. He was able to make moves with his feet uh, and make plays with his feet, and that's something that Zappi or Mac, for that matter, is not really their forte. Either way. It's hard not to notice. And before you come in with, well, it doesn't matter because of the offense. Last year, you didn't even know who the offensive play caller was at preseason week one. Bill hadn't told anybody. There were people after that game, reporters after that game, hounding Bill Belichick about who's calling the plays, what's going on, who's in charge of this offense. And he's like, I'll never tell. Like it was, It was still going on, that whole thing. Maybe they knew behind the scenes, but it was still going in public. They weren't letting on who was doing it. And it was pretty weird. I mean, that's a that was a pretty weird time to be a Patriots fan. Preseason last year. I mean, this is more normal than that. I would heard remember Mac Jones. He's like, well, things are normal now. Like, yeah, things are normal. You have an offensive coordinator. You're not you're not sitting there like Agatha Christie like it's some weird mystery about who the offensive play caller is going to be and you're not telling anybody and you're just going to have to figure it out like, it's like okay.
3: a g- game of clue.
1: Yeah, really. Like it was very that was very strange. It was this very sort of strange. Shrewd. I'm not telling you. Like, oh, okay, Bill. Like, fine. Let's just hope the offense can function. And by the way, a newsflash: it couldn't. Um, and this offense so far, not really functioning either. But again, it's early on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna freak out too much. Except to say, I was hoping it would look a little bit better than the first crack Matt Patricia had at being an offensive coordinator. Is that fair? Is it fair to say that? Is it fair to at least to be disappointed? I, so many people are just completely ignoring this just completely ignoring what the offense looked like and what the offensive line looked like because it wasn't the starters. I got news for you. The starters aren't going to play all year. Your right tackle situation last year was a revolving door. It was Isaiah Wynn at first. Then it was like Marcus Cannon. Then they tried Yadni Kajust, I think, at right tackle. Maybe he was a guard. I forget. But they had him there. uh, McDermott ended up there. It was all sorts of different guys on the right side. And, you know, it wasn't really all that. You never really improved off of that. You didn't. You signed, what, Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef and didn't really spend much money on either one of those guys, and that's upsetting to me because here the Patriots are still today, after on August 12th, sitting here with all this money in cap space, all this cash they didn't spend, and they're just sitting there while all these tackles went at the free agency, and not to mention the one they drafted. Not that they drafted, but that Pittsburgh drafted, who the Patriots traded their pick to to stick it to the Jets. <laughs> that was oh I was so upset by that when it happened and I'm even more so now because look at this line look at this offensive line Trent Brown may not be back. I don't know what Trent Brown's deal is no one knows what Trent Brown's deal is when's he gonna be back who knows you may be stuck with Riley Reef out there a lot more than you were expecting he might be your starting right tackle I don't know like, no one knows anything about this offensive line. All you know is that David Andrews and Mike and Wenyu are good to go. Those two guys, center, right guard, bam. No problem. Cole Strange at left guard, I'd imagine he's got the job. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think anyone's beating them out for the job. None of those guys they drafted. I don't think any of them are beating them out. City Sal and Jake Andrews, those other guys were out there. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I I don't think I don't think they won anything last night or two nights ago. Uh but I can say this. Cole Strange, he's considered, you know, one of the part of the solution, right? He he had an up and down year last year, and neither one of the tackles, I think, you can trust as far as you can throw, and I cannot throw Trent Brown very far. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. We'll get to your phone calls here in just a minute. Uh, one other thing I wanted to just point out is that in free agency, Orlando Brown, Mike McGlinchey. Caleb McGarry and Jawan Taylor, if you don't know these names, these were all free agent tackles. <laughs> I know it's not exactly like a hot talking point on sports radio, but those guys were all out there to be had. And they all signed pretty serious contracts. Orlando Brown signed with the Bengals. McGlinchey went back to the Falcons. Taylor went to the Chiefs. Um... Uh, I forget where uh, McGarry went, or was McGarry on the Falcons? I'm mix up, mixing up my McGarry's and my McGlinchys. Uh, but either way, they all they all signed. They all you know ended up getting the uh, getting signed. Yeah, McGarry is on the Falcons, and McGlinchy I think just got hurt. Uh, McGlinchy got signed by the Niners, and I think yeah he's going to be out a couple of weeks with a uh, with a sprain something. Uh, but he should be ready for week one. Uh, so you know it's uh, unfortunate for the preseason, but he was uh, you know a guy who went for money at the in free agency. Patriots had money to spend, and they held off. They had an opportunity to draft Broderick Jones, who's going to start for Pittsburgh, it's looking like. Uh, I just took a look over at some Steelers preseason blogs. It looks like Broderick Jones is really impressing Mike Tomlin. It looks like he's really uh, establishing himself as a young force on that offensive line, and you could have had him. And maybe Gonzalez is going to be a great pick. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I think he had more of a need on the offensive line than he did a quarterback, but whatever. Uh, You know, you could have had him. But you traded down so you could uh, prevent the Jets from getting him, and great. Okay, so the Jets didn't get him, and you didn't get him either. And I think you really kind of needed him. So it's unfortunate. 617 779 nine seven ninety three seven. That's the uh, phone number. There, we'll get to your calls in uh, in a moment. If this is what the offensive line is going to look like, if these guys aren't coming back right away, then should Mac Jones play? Do you want Mac even out there? Do you do you want to? You want to put him behind that line because I don't know. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. If that if that's what if that's what they look like in prime time, I'm not sure that I want Mac back there. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's certainly not going to run away from the pressure like uh, like Cunningham was doing, and I think he'd have more of a game like what Zappy had if he's got that kind of pressure coming at him. And let's also remember here that for a lot of these practices, these non padded practices. All the numbers that we saw, which weren't even eye-popping on their, in, on their own rate have to be looked at on kind of a curve because everyone told us, everyone who was down there watching these uh, practices told us, these guys would have been sacked dozens of times. (laughs) Like, Yeah, he was 10 of 12 with a touchdown, but he would have gotten sacked like six of those times. It's like, oh, well, okay, so (laughs) I I guess that doesn't really count then. Like, what does that mean? That's something you have to sort of take into consideration here. And these guys, these guys in the offensive line all had opportunities. Trent Brown wasn't out there. Trent Brown wasn't out there at all. Other guys have had opportunity to tackle. He was just doing conditioning, like, this whole time. And it didn't really seem like that made much of a difference. Um, And it's frustrating. You know, you're not going to spend on that? Okay. You got all this money. You got, what, 20-something million in cap space still? And you're not spending it? Like, All right, well, then spend it on DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you're not spending it on him either, eh? All right, well, what about Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette or what about Dalvin Cook? Well, no, none of them either? Okay, so we're just going to go into the season with no tackles and one running back and no number 1 wide receivers and $24 million in gap space. What the hell is the point of that? Like, that's frustrating. That's frustrating as a, as a fan watching that game. I wanted to see an offense that looked like it could put, you know, one foot in front of the other at the very least, and that offense couldn't, and it wasn't the starters. Fine. But I want the backups to be a little bit better than that, okay? <laughs> like, that's I think that's fair. Um, for that, uh, and on the other side of that coin, I think you can look at a lot of things the defense was doing and feel good about it. They made that kid out there look like uh, look like Kyler Murray in a playoff game. C.J. Stroud, he was brutal. Oh man, he was having a, he was having a rough day out there. He only played two series, but that interception, <laughs> Jesus, that was I don't know what he was looking at. The wide receiver looked like maybe hitched a little bit. Like he he went into his move and then started to come back and. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to be there sooner, but uh, Jalen Mills came right over and uh, snatched that one, and that was about as good as it got for C.J. Stroud. He ran a little bit uh, to get away from some pressure. I think six yards on a couple of carries there, and it weren't carries. They were broken plays, but, uh, yeah, that was it. Um, Receiving-wise, uh, it was uh, really the Tank Dell show, and he got most of his damage done with uh, Davis Mills. So, I don't know. I mean, I was I was impressed by some things I saw with the defense. I also thought later in the game they gave up a lot of st- stuff Underneath, and that can be, yeah, the problem, I guess. But uh, I'm not as worried about the defense. The defense looked like fine, the defense looked competent. They were out there making plays, uh, especially early on in the game. They made Stroud look real bad. And uh, how could you not like what you saw from Keon White? I have a lot of things to be uh, looking at on the defense and liking. I certainly uh, am not worried about him, but I do think you got a problem on the offense. I do think you got a problem there. It's maybe not a big problem. Maybe not, you know, some uh, everybody all hands on deck meeting over at Foxborough type of problem. But it wasn't good. There's was nothing, nothing was impressive. There was nothing you could take away from that game and say, well, they they really were doing well with this offensively and they can build off of that. There was one, there was one completion that was at any level of difficulty down the field. And there was one, uh, you know, short pass that ended up being the Trey Nixon made that play. And those are the only two uh, plays of ten or more yards I think in the entire game that the offense had. Like that sucks. I I wasn't expecting them to suck. <laughs> okay, like backups or not, that was that was a little uh, a little shocking. I would say even, you know, you expect you expect a new offense to have some growing pains. We Lord knows they did last year, but I wasn't expecting them to come out and just be not functioning against the Houston Texans. Like you know, like that. That was, that That stopped me in my tracks a little bit. Um, Texter in the 207 said, this Patriots offense is going to have more checks than a bank. I, you know, that was all the offense was. That's basically all it was. Bailey happy throwing screens and those uh, one play downfield to Tyquan Thornton, which, by the way, uh, great throw and a great catch. And for me, I mean, you know, that was the type of play. You can say it was against backups or whatever. There was a very small window. That was a ball that, it wasn't a ball that only Thornton could get. That's See, that's I, I heard people saying this today, and that's not true. If uh, if that one sailed a little bit there, there was a guy right behind them ready to catch that ball. It wasn't only Thornton could get it. Thornton did get it, but that other guy could have definitely had it if uh, Thornton short-armed that or alligator-armed it or something like that. It wasn't one of those throws where it's like, all right, someone screened off and you're all set. Uh, that was uh, That was a play that Thornton had to make, and he did. Uh, he reached up, he got it, he landed, controlled the ball. It was a nice ball from Zappy. It was the highlight offensively of the entire game until Cunningham had his uh, had his big runs there at the end, and that was it. Um, is that something you can build off of? Is that enough to push Taquan Thornton back into the uh, into the mix a little bit? I'll say this: Tommy Curran also told, uh, maybe this was on his podcast, or no, this was on uh, Boston Sports Tonight. I think that um, the reason why he didn't see much of uh, Pop Douglas is because he may have already established himself. He may have already established himself in the offense. He may have already, uh, you know, sort of proven that he doesn't need to play in these type of games. And Tyquan Thornton does. To that I say, whoa. He was good in camp. <laughs> like, don't you want to see him do something in a game? Like, you know, like he hasn't, what's he done? He's been in drills and things like that? And like 11 on 11? Like, sure. And from the clips that I've seen, I've seen a bunch of Pop Douglas clips. And he looks great in those clips. But he's already earned a place with the off with the starting offense. Really, these must be some amazing clips. <laughs> like, just I don't know. I mean that that to me for Tyquan Thornton to continue to have to prove himself and Pop Douglas for you know two months whatever it was uh, to already be have that sort of uh, uh, trust placed in him, I think is really something. But uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see if that if that holds up like that. We'll also see if Thornton has uh, earned himself more of a look with the with the top guys. And maybe we'll see if uh, Mac Jones is still operating with – you know, and he's at high level with guys like uh, Devontae Parker, with guys like Kendrick Bourne. You know, you got uh, another mouth defeat here with Juju Smith Schuster, and of course, the tight end. So, you know, I'm interested in seeing what this is going to look like, but I don't know if we're going to get a good glimpse of what it's going to look like if this is the offensive line. If this is the O line, then I can you can say, well, you can't really judge Bailey Zappi. Okay, well, can we judge Mac Jones? What if he's out there behind the same offensive line? Can we not judge him either? Then what's the point of putting him out there? You know, <laughs> like, if you just, if it's going to be so bad that he's going to be running for his life and you can't, Judge it or gain anything from it, then what's the point? Why why even have them out there? You know, just uh, throw Cunningham and McSorley, and if you want to sit zappy, do that and uh, wait till the O line comes back. But I'll just tell you this even when they get back, we're not talking about, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about like the Chiefs in the 90s here. We're talking about last year's offensive line, which really hasn't been upgraded much. 617 779 7937 is the phone number. Let's go to the phones. Tim is over in Chicopee uh, with some preseason thoughts. Go ahead, Tim.
5: Hey, how you doing? Hey, is
1: Danny from Quincy running his
3: show? <laughs> no. No. Just kidding, yeah. Uh, hey, listen, coming out of the first preseason game, you know, I, I watched the game and in, in more different plays. My take is on what was out there is to see, like, on a base level, if even any of these linemen and these backs can execute, you know, number one. I think that had a lot to do behind it. It was to an earlier show picking up Bill O'Brien. It doesn't matter, right? And, and preseason games do matter. i all been a proponent of them. Uh,
1: Thanks for the call, Tim. Phone was cutting in and out anyway. But uh, preseason games do matter. They don't, they're not the only thing that matters, but you, there's a reason why they play them. Joint practices are important, too. And I'm curious to see what the joint practice situation is going to be like. I'd also like to know what Patriots fans, what you want to see in these joint practices. Who do you want to see more of? Do you see anything on offense that you want to see more of? I guess Thornton, right? Do you want Thornton out there with the ones? Like, is that is that what you want to see? You want to see any more of those running backs? I'd like to. I think those running backs are better than they looked in that game. We saw them play last year. Is that, I forget which game it was. There was one game where they both scored, and uh, looked like I don't know they could be something. Um. Should Mac play? Do you want Mac playing behind that offensive line? I don't. And I really wish that they had done something about this whole line. I wish they'd done a lot of things in this offseason that they didn't do. I wish they had gotten Hopkins. Uh, I wish that they had drafted a tackle. I wish that they had signed a tackle in free agency if they weren't going to sign one or weren't going to draft one. I wish that they had uh, signed one of the several that I listed already uh, that were available and who signed with other teams and signed for big but not unreasonably big money. I don't think. Uh, maybe Orlando Brown. It was a lot of money for him, but he was just on the Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl. He's been successful everywhere he's been. Um, and the Chiefs replaced him with Taylor. You know They they were ready to do that. And that's the thing. You look at the Chiefs. They're a team that is invested in their offensive line in a way that you haven't. Uh, your offensive line is Trent Brown, who you kind of got off the scrap heap. David Andrews, who was undrafted. On Wenyu, who was a six-round pick. Cole Strange, you invested, and I'll give you that. Cole Strange was a first-round pick. That was an investment. And your right tackle is, I don't even know who the hell you're Riley <laughs> Reef. <laughs> Riley Reef. Who you did, I guess you invested $5 million in Riley Reif. Invested you, in a journeyman the, you think who got the, cut by the worst team in the league last year in Chicago. Right. If that's what you think the going rate for a starting right tackle on your team should be is $5 million, then God bless you. I just think, you know, you're going to you're gonna see that. And I also don't think he's even going to be the guy who starts. I don't think he's going to be starting. He's going to be a swing tackle. Last year, you know, McDermott was your swing tackle. You had Ferentz, uh, who was not good in that game either. Ferentz had a bunch of penalties at the end on that touchdown drive. It it was, uh, it was just an all-around tough game to watch. I'll tell you what I was uh, impressed by, though, and that was the rookies. Keon White, other rookies look good. I guess Pop, is, uh, Pop Douglas is already a starter. We'll get to all of that uh, and uh, how some of these other rookies can establish themselves as well and what some position battles may be uh, forming here because of the emergence of some of these guys on defense. We'll get to all of that next. Stein
0: Law Studios. 1 800 BOS Legal. This is WEEI, New England Sports Original.
2: Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com, that's dot com, and point your toes west.
0: Oh. Covering Boston sports and beyond, we're back to Christian Arcand on W-E-E-I.
4: Christian Ben of um, Keon White, you know, this summer and Tsunet out here in his debut. Yeah, he's getting better. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have to look at the film on the game, but... Yeah, Keon's improved, uh, you know, all through the spring and and uh, in training camp here. You know, we'll see how it went tonight, but it seemed like it was all right.
1: Bill Belichick post game talking about his rookie Keon White, a couple other guys. By the way, some big breaking Patriots news here. You see this, Brian? No, I missed it. Reinforcements have arrived. Fear not, everybody. If you were worried that uh, a little thin at running back, worried maybe they were a little thin on the O-line. Should I hit the sounder for this? No. Uh, they signed running back C.J. Marable. And oh, Hagel. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I saw that
1: this morning from U- USFL. They had him in for workouts. They've now signed them. There you go. They're USFL guys. Former so. Stallion, I believe. Fear not, Patriots fans. The Stallions are riding in to save the day like the Mounties. <laughs> Here they come. They're both going to arrive on horseback from the USFL. Uh, CJ Marrable and Micah Vanterpool. Uh, they're your reinforcements. <laughs> Forget about drafting somebody. Forget about uh, you know reaching out to Zeke Elliott or swinging a trade for Jonathan Taylor or something like that. No, no, no. Why? Why do that? Idiots would do that. Idiots would spend money on some players when you can just pluck the best and the brightest out of the USFL. <laughs> like, oh boy, oh man! Watch this guy. Watch the Marrable. I have like eight hundred yards this year too. It's the new, new running back. The new hot running back in the uh, in the Patriots stable. Micah Vanterpool. Uh, does USFL? It's the same rules, right? It's not like Canadian football where they do weird stuff. Yeah, I
3: believe for the most part, I. I- can't tell you how many USFL games I watched, but from the bits and pieces I've picked up, I feel like it's pr- as close as it can be. To that. It's closer than what the CFL is. I it's
1: got to be close. Because I remember, you know, like you'd remember back in the day, you'd see guys come from like the XFL or like the Arena League. It wasn't really they'd come from the Arena League. It's like they'd, be there, they'd finish their career and then move on to the Arena League just to keep playing football, uh, that sort of thing. CFL. CFL, they got weird. They do weird stuff in the CFL. I'll
3: give you this in the USFL. Um, A team trailing by nine points can still tie the game with a touchdown and a three point conversion. A three
1: point conversion? Well, an 18-point lead
3: is still a two-possession game. Wait,
1: wait, wait. How do you do a three-point so conversion?
3: So I, I, I can look into it, but I need apparently to know. if you're down nine, you're not out of it if you only got
1: the ball one more time. CJ's going to be on the sideline like, we're still in the game, guys. We're only down nine. Like, yeah, we need two possessions. Nah, man, we just need to do that three-point conversion, and we're all set. <laughs> oh man I don't I would love to know what a three so point, three point
3: is. so we got one point is for a kick two yep. points from scrimmage play from the two yard line whatever so those are the same yep. three point for a scrimmage play from the 10 yard line that successfully successfully crosses the goal line so basically it's a two point conversion from, from the 10 yard line
1: fourth and 10 basically right <laughs> it's not a bad idea I kind of like that actually you know it's not the worst Keeps the game's more heard. interesting right yeah Keeps you in it longer into the game. Maybe they should have that as like a preseason rule. So right. CJ can get, you know, so these guys can get sort of uh, brought in, you know, brought up to speed. I love the idea of them being
3: down nine. <laughs> He's on the sideline trying to pump everybody up because they only get the ball back with, you
1: know, a minute left or something. They're, like, kneeling it out. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait. Why didn't we do the three-point conversion, guys? <laughs> that would have that would have made much more. Hey, coach, I <laughs> think you might have missed one there. Um, anyway, that's what's going on. I don't even know these guys. I'm making fun of the fact that they're from the USFL. Uh, I don't know anything about them. But um, we'll see. We'll see if they make the team. Uh, we were talking about the rookies. Bill Belichick was talking about the rookies. And Keon White, who was, I think, the highlight of the game. More so than Malik Cunningham. I thought that Keon White uh, was a... Disruptive force who at times looked like uh, Bruce Smith out there, really just manhandling uh, offensive linemen on that te- on that Texans front and pushing him out of the way and covering a lot of guys. He's a big boy and he is fast. He is a big uh, fat daddy, but he can run. And uh, I was I was just impressed with just about every single play I saw him on. He was he was right there on everything. And uh, you know you are gonna you are gonna probably see teams now in the preseason anyway. Notice that and try and, uh, you know, make sure they know where 99 is. What's good about this, or what could be good about it, is that they're not going to have that luxury when the season starts. You got Barmore, and I don't know if Florence Guy's going to be there. We're going to have Barmore out there, Josh Uche, Matt Judon, all those guys uh, who are going to need plenty of attention, and that could leave lanes open for Keon White. And uh, if, uh, if he has that, I mean, listen, you know, you talk about, well, it's the first game. You can't expect everybody to be up to speed. Keon White was up to speed. And I'll react to that as positively as I reacted negatively to the offense because I think they're on the same sort of level. I really do. Uh, Keon White may be even more impressively good than the defense was impressively bad because, you know, as we said, uh, the offense was uh, short a bunch of offensive linemen. Even still. I uh, I was impressed by white how did the other rookies look I thought Gonzalez got he took a pop on like the first play of the game and then after that I thought he looked good out there he looked smooth he's this you know big bounding guy uh, and uh, he's a very good athlete you can sort of you can sort of see that his instincts I thought looked good but you know we'll see him when he's uh, covering different kinds of routes you're not seeing the most uh, complex stuff here early on um as for the other rookies the kicker we didn't see, I don't think, right? We just saw, um, we just saw Folk. That yeah, was just Nick Folk. We didn't see the kid, Ryland. Um, the punter, he was out there bombing him. That uh, that kid, he's probably your new punter there. And Kayshawn Booty and Pop Douglas were the other two that I was interested in seeing, interested in seeing what they look like. Uh, Booty Booty played for a while, didn't do much. No one in the offense did much. Pop Douglas didn't play much at all. You didn't see you didn't see uh, much of him. He was in uniform, he was there, but uh you didn't really see anything happening with him. Booty uh booty two targets, two catches, seven yards. Um leading receiver was Trey Nixon. He had four catches for twenty three yards. Taekwon Thornton uh had the most yards, thirty one on two catches. It was that twenty seven yarder. I don't even remember his other catch. And that was one of the only uh, passes downfield that you saw the entire game anyway. Not good. Not good to say the least. Um, Tommy Curran, and uh, Brian, if we have this, Tommy Curran has a theory as to why Pop Douglas wasn't out there. And it's an interesting theory. It's one that I want to react to real quick, but just here it is.
3: He has been such a sensation in training camp. I think the easiest explanation for why you didn't see enough Pop Douglas is he has popped so much that he's already carved himself a spot easily on the roster, maybe even further up the roster. You can't just outright sit down a sixth-round pick and say, well, he's not going to play tonight because he's a rookie and he was a late-round pick, so he just had a cameo, but I think this establishes unless there's an injury that we don't know about and I don't think that there is, this establishes his value is already well demonstrated to the Patriots in terms
1: of keeping him out of harm's way. How do we feel about that, Brian? How do we feel about Pop Douglas has already established himself on the roster and maybe even further up the roster than I think he was implying some of the wide receivers some of the Kendrick Bournes and maybe Devontae Parkers of the world. How do we feel about that sort of confidence in a guy who we've only seen who's only played in camp? I mean, it's a little surprising
3: that, you know, he mentioned the six-round pick sitting. It's like, how many first-round picks do you see sit in the preseason just because they've shown some flashes or something? Like, I feel like no matter what position you are, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive player, if you're a rookie or even within the first couple years of your career, like, you're playing in preseason games yeah and especially now with just three preseason games like it's not really like you can kind of dink around and be like oh you know the first preseason game not important or you know a lot of times the fourth preseason game a a player who's you know probably going to make the team won't play but it's like you only got three each one is a lot more important now and he was a six round pick for a reason now I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player but I don't know if If every team passed on him, you know, six times or at least five times, whatever, it's like clearly he's not exactly some bona fide stud and I'm sure he's been playing well in practice. That's what all the reports have been saying. And I've
1: seen some of those clips. He's... he's Nice. I mean, he's got nice footwork. He's quick. Like you know, but a lot don't you of want to, to see lie. him in real game action? Yes. <laughs> and also, Christian Gonzalez made the roster too, didn't he? He played in the whole game. Like why? You know, like how come that doesn't apply to him? Is he out there battling it out for uh, for the starting job? I feel like he's basically the assumed week one starter at uh, on one side of the field. I don't know which side he's going to be on. But... I know he had a bad year last year. Russell Wilson played into the second quarter last night. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. I
3: mean, he didn't look good either. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't, because he sucks. <laughs> And that was a huge but,
1: but, a huge mistake that But Ever- it just Bronco goes made. to show
3: like that's I don't know how long he's been in the, year, the league 10 11 12 years whatever it is and I know it's still a new yeah. offense and he's still learning but this is a new offense for Pop Douglas too it's not like right. he's been playing in this Patriots Bill O'Brien offense for the
1: last 10 years surprised I was surprised not to see him out there I'm surprised that they seemingly have so much confidence in him that they're like yeah you don't need to you don't need to play in the preseason kid you're good like all right that doesn't sound like the Bill Belichick I know but hey what, what the hell do I know about anything these days 61 Seven 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 nine 7937 That's your phone number. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, Dante Scarnecchia, the great Dante Scarnecchia, Patriots Hall of Famer, who was uh, inducted just this week, and will uh, or was he inducted this week? He was right, or were they just talking about it a lot on the broadcast? He was actually inducted, I think. Uh, so uh, yeah, Dante. We'll hear from. He was on with uh, the guys in the midday, Gresh and Foyer, and uh, also we'll compare this year and last year in the uh, in the some of the. Two new players that are now on the Patriots. We'll get into all of that right after this.